Good morning. It's a post-splendor morning. Music playing in the background, laying in bed, recovering, but ready to go. So day three of splendor. Whew, splendor in the grass. Uh, just down the road from where I live, fortunately enough, in uh, northern New South Wales. So um, shout out to Splendor. The, the uh, transport's been magnificent, literally down the end of my street and buses run back to back. I think it's even more than every 10 minutes so they're there uh, it's a really good way to travel to the event economically uh, environmentally and yeah sustainability of crowds and movement is really cool so in and out on buses we go and uh, yeah it's been a really uh, great great splendor beautiful uh, bright sunny days and really cold cold nights but they have open fires and plenty of backstage moments for this uh, little black duck here and so uh, highlights so far thought I'd just go through a couple of those uh, arrived on Friday and kind of hung out in the in the amphitheater and uh, kicked off with welcome to country which was uh, very special and should always be uh, pay homage and should always be part of part of our uh, rituals in this country to respect the uh, traditional landowners uh, where we're about to party our little pants off and also uh, went into uh, good old Aussie rock band Wolf Mother and introduced them to a, a, a whole new genre of youth, really. And that was exciting. I had my uh, two older, my two older, my two sons there who were like 20 and 17 and they rocked out to it and uh, thought it was a great, a great band to kick off the festival. So it kind of just went up from there and it was exciting and very rock and roll. and and uh, ended with some Tame Impala and, and lots of great acts in between. So uh, a couple of rock chicks, surprising rock chicks that I saw along the way, which I really enjoyed, and uh, Tame Impala to finish. So uh, things were good on Friday. Headed back yesterday, Saturday. Now, that, I think Saturday's been my highlight so far. Started with a little bit of Ruby Fields, who I had heard her stuff on Triple J, but I just, uh, to see her perform with her band was just super tight and fun. And then uh, the GW stage over yonder in the forest was just packed and pumping. So great way to kick off the festival yesterday, a sunny, sunny Saturday afternoon, and then uh, headed into kind of different other directions of music and went around the the teepee forest and into the global village grabbed some great street food had some random conversations with really cool people from modern day young philosophers through to you know um, old school bondi crew that are bringing out new labels and uh and then some bay fm groovers talking about podcasts all around the magical big fire that is in the uh, gold bar so that's really cool and then I got to to go backstage and listen to uh to um Catfish and the Bottle Man which was really cool and a bit of Dean Lewis which I also enjoyed Wolf Alice and then uh sort of didn't stick around for the Childish Cambino I left that for my kids to do but um headed out and caught just a little bit of streets on the way out. So, um, yeah, it was a really good day and lots of fun and lots of uh, great conversations, totally safe and a job well done to Splendour. So uh, that's my weekend. Oh, I forgot to say, I'm heading back in today. So uh, really looking forward to a little bit of Lumineers and and uh, Hilltop Hoods because old mate Chance the Rapper couldn't make it. So they... Uh, 
replaced him with the uh, ever sturdy and reliable hilltop hoods just slid them in there and uh it's going to be a a fine day indeed sunny day adios enjoy Welcome to the Travelling Senorita podcast. I'm up to number three. I'm a little bit excited. And today I have found myself in Cabarita in northern New South Wales. I have dug deeper and found this incredible story of a cook comes artist, comes all round legend called Dylan Cooper. Uh, Welcome, Dylan. Thanks, Kylie. Uh, That was a nervous laugh, my friend. (laughs) Oh, I I just, I don't think I've ever been explained with such a... Gusto. Yeah. High, high steed there. That was... Uh, yeah, I yeah. like to build people up so I can bring them right back down to yeah. earth again. So well, I was actually going to do something like The Cook, The Thief, The Lover, the you know, that, yeah. that, that wonderful David Lynch movie. But because when I think of you, I think of the fact that food is art and art is food. And you and I have spoken about this before. We, we originally met when you were a chef at um, a wonderful restaurant on the, on the Tweed Coast. Osteria, yeah. Osteria, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and then I followed you around, uh, not in a creepy way. Yeah, but I, that sounds creepy though. Does, doesn't, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and then I kind of went, oh, there's that, that wonderful chef again. But actually, what brought me back to you right now is the fact that you are an artist underneath all this. So we will end with your arts story because you've got some exciting news to tell us for early 2020. But I want to start with you growing up in Kingscliff in northern New South Wales as a young boy who really wanted to be an artist at heart and then went on a little trajectory over to becoming a chef. Tell us a little bit about that journey. So... I mean, growing up in paradise, it's um, it's inevitable that you're going to have some kind of creative flair with all the beauty around you. I finished high school and most of my friends were surfing and bumming around, really having a great time. After school, my dad pushed me into an apprenticeship in the culinary arts, as I would, <laughs> some people would like to talk, talk it up. Um, so I You mean went, you're talking like as a chef, my friend? As, literally as a chef. But and it sounds like, way better when it's culinary arts, doesn't it? So just to put us in the paint, excuse the pun, but put us in the picture here. So you're born sort of, you know, you're kind of, we're talking 80s. I was, 80s, I'm 90s. an 80s child, yep. yeah. Um, I finished school in 97 and then went straight through to TAFE College, uh, finished my apprenticeship and took off literally over to London and went and lived over there for nearly four years. I mean, not just in London, but I moved around in England and Ireland and stuff like that. So when you were when you were um, studying to be a chef, and, and in a practical sense, you were working in a local cafe in Kingscliff. Yeah, I worked at Katmandu Kitchen my first year. I mean... Exotic! Yeah, it was for me, coming from a meat and two veg sort of family to making up Indian spices and, and learning well as much as I possibly could from Shankar without you know, too, going too deep down that rabbit hole of Indian food. Um, yeah, I got a good sort of foundation, I suppose, that set me up for later in my life when I ended up in Long Grain Kitchen down in Sydney. And then from there, I went over to Saki. So I kind of delved, the only one I haven't really delved into was a Chinese background. 
but um, I've done quite a lot of the Asian and Southeast Asian foods through my career. Um, it's quite funny being, you know, the whitest guy alive and cooking um, yeah, Asian food. It just doesn't really fit hand in hand, but it worked out well for me. So how did you, um, so when you, obviously at, at, at high school, you had a love of the arts um, and in, in a painting and drawing sense. Yeah, yeah. And then you went to TAFE to, you know, get yourself a career and... and, and Make just... money because, I mean, that's what my dad you know, kind of that white collar generation yeah. of, you know, you need to get a trade behind, you need to work, you need to, which has paid off because I'm always employable and I always can pay my rent for my studio space, house space, whatever I need in life I can with, with work. And but, that comes back to that food is up because right now you are the breakfast chef uh, at Halcyon House in yeah, Cabarita, I, the, um, the, I the renowned Halcyon House. Well, we won the best breakfast hotel last year. Well, so I was just going to say that. something pretty well. Let's just give that a little <laughs> bit of a plug. So Gourmet Traveller did vote uh, the best breakfast, best hotel breakfast last year. And yep. you were at, you're at the helm of that, my friend. Yeah, I was. I, I always said years ago when I was working in quite high-end restaurants, that I would never do breakfast, but uh, here we are. Never two, say never. Two kids down and also trying to balance the art career with the, the chefing. And yeah, I'm doing breakfast. I get to finish it at lunchtime and paint before I go and pick my kids up from school. So, so he, okay, so the passion is clearly from arts, but let's just stick on food for a second because I have this sneaky suspicion that food is just, just runs through your veins and, and how you create food in a kitchen is almost how you paint on a canvas. It really is. It really is. Talk us through that. So you moved to London. You're still playing with food from an artistic perspective. Tell me how that works still, for you. Still loving. I mean, I even love food now, but still really loving food at that stage. And that was early 2000s. Um, like you just said, then yeah, food does go hand in hand. You're layering things up and using textures and colours on a plate to give someone that visual stimulation when it lands in front of them. So they really are very closely re- related, I'd say, the visual arts with um, the culinary arts, which is just chefing, as we just <laughs> we mentioned before. Well, not but not every chef does that though. Like I mean, some, there is some chefs out there and some cooks out there that you know are, are doing it to, for bread and butter. Again, excuse the pun, but you're yeah. obviously you are obviously you've just said that is your job. That is what layers you in the morning and you come back to the studio and you get to paint. But obviously, when you're in that kitchen, you've still got your creativity on fire. A hundred percent with flavors, like I just said before, and textures and colors. It's it's a very stimulating place, the kitchen. I mean. My Kitchen Rules and, and chefs, all these chefs shows that are on TV, they've kind of glamorised it up. It is hard at times. Yeah, you were around now. before that. <laughs> I, was, I was around in the times where there was abuse and things that wouldn't be able to go on these days. Yeah. But uh, it's more like the military than, than a job. But for the, what you just said before, for those people that are doing it for a job, I don't think you should. It's not one of those careers that you take lightly. Like, you have to be passionate. You have to really want to do it. And I still have that passion. I just, I'm getting old, I'm getting ailments, I can't do as long hours as I used to be able to do. And I've also found now, with, with like I mentioned before, two children, I need time. I need time to be with those guys and I need time in the studio. So my passion runs deep and I don't think I'll ever lose it. I just, um, yeah, I just need to cut those hours down like a lot of chefs of my age kind of do, I suppose. Yeah, so um, before we move into your uh, your art, because that is literally why we're here today as well, What tell me, a, a, give me a, an idea of some chefs need to say names but you're welcome to as well names of people that have inspired you in the kitchen that has uh, enabled you to create on the canvas um i think my japanese time was was a big one a big moment i was studying art at that stage too i just left long grain as a full-time sous chef there and um when I saw the Japanese food and the delicate way they plate and all, it's such a symphony, it really is. Like they talk about umami with flavor with Japanese food, but 
it's also the visual on the plate as well. It's um, it's almost like a cut back version of an overplated Western style food, I think. And um, that was where my first working with Sean Preston. But it was other chefs in the kitchen. Sean was at the helm, but um, there was a chef that's still my good friend now, Adam Lane, that he kind of showed me a little bit more of the philosophy and and his temperament and mannerisms and just everything about the guy just really inspired me to while I was studying art, but also start to, to break that apart to go, art can be food, food can be art. I mean, I had it earlier on in my career, but that was a little bit of a light bulb moment in about, I think it was about 2009 or 2008 or nine. Um, maybe it was later, I can't remember. I'm one thing that I really like, one thing, no, no, that's, I'm with you, my friend. One thing that I really like about what you say, when, when you talk about food, your face still lights up. So let's let's refer to say a musician who's playing music and is in hospitality to make ends meet. But you know, you often hear them, oh, you know, under duress, they've gone for the shift in hospitality. I don't feel that from you. No, I don't have it. I don't have it. And a lot of people you work with, especially on the floor, and I shouldn't segregate it, but a lot of people on the floor are either actors or musicians mm-hmm. or visual artists. So most of the arts are in the in the hospitality industry because it's flexible hours, I suppose, and you've got time to be in the studio and in that industry at the same time but going back to what you said before other chefs that I work with a big one for me is just of late was Ben Devlin who's yeah. just opened Pippet down the road he the same as Adam just his temperament the way he is he was so level headed and he was so skilled he's just eat breathe sleep food that's all he does he's just what's well, his art isn't it it's, he's a total artist for mm-hmm. me um, and just watching the way he was his charisma in the kitchen the way he played it like he just yeah he had it he was for me one of the better chefs I'd work with I mean I've worked with other chefs in Sydney at great restaurants that were a little bit more down to earth food not so fine dining but still had at restaurants um, which I also enjoyed but the plating then was a little bit more it wasn't as visual it was more of the mm. flavours of the food so yeah, so it's about taking your time, you know, like plating up, um, as you said, layering the food. Yeah, it could be the same with painting. Sometimes you can slap a painting together and it works out superb, like you can't fault it. Mm. And then other times you'll layer and glaze and layer and layer. Like it just, it might take, some paintings might take an hour, some paintings might take 20 hours, you know. And so. I can relate that back to storytelling, like the, the written word, you know, like it's, it's sometimes you just, it just spills out on the page and then other times it takes days and days to edit it. To get the same result. Yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it still comes back to being the art behind it, behind the word, behind the painting, behind the food. So we're going to actually move now away from, and if you finished telling me your kitchen journey? Oh, we could go on for hours, but we don't have that long. So. <laughs> like, well, no. It's a long kitchen journey, it's over 20 years. I made so. myself a pack that I would um, stick to around about 15 minutes, not that that is an issue here today, but I like to, I like to kind of keep it like sharp and, and smart. So we're going to move into your art. Now, the way I describe this is you are in the kitchen making these award-winning breakfasts and out of the window, you are looking at Halcyon House and all of its glory, which is just layers and layers of textures and color and beautiful interior design. And in your head, as you're plating up, you've come up with ideas to paint the hotel. Well, and, and tell me a little bit about that. Well, that's... That was a lot of early mornings by myself, I think, where it was a light bulb moment again, where I sort of saw this amazing, like really, really amazing luxury hotel with nobody there. And it was almost a little bit 28 days later-ish, like there's, you know, <laughs> something diabolical had happened and everyone had just disappeared. No, I'm just there, proofing. I'm there. <laughs> you get there later, man. I'm there at like 5, 5.30 in the morning. So I also get to see the sunrise. And I think it was one of those moments where I was walking 
walking up towards the front of the restaurant which overlooks the beach and the sun was coming up and just the colours and like you said before the design and Espiro and it's, it's all the package together and just a light bulb moment of saying this is like a beauty that nobody else is witnessing now but me I should probably go and can, try to paint it I should can to you visualize paint, can it. you paint that visual for us because we're, we're, we're on audio here paint the visual of what you saw the yellow and pink lights of that morning reflecting like the shadows coming through because most of Helsing House is white which then when that light hit it become quite a, almost a dark blue or purple and then you've got the pops of light that come out through the bar the yellows and, and a lot of the greens from the, the greenery outside and I think with the glassware shimmering off that and then the tables are just such a hard to describe it's almost like ochre mixed with a, a naples yellow that just the way that the light hit that as well it was almost yeah it was how do you explain it it, it was a moment that i couldn't not let go i suppose so well, I it's, it's actually phone. quite layered too isn't it so you so many yeah, nooks and crannies perfect and for it, a canvas it's, it's sometimes <laughs> in your head when i paint it's overwhelming yeah um obviously as all artists do we look to look for shapes and the juxtaposition of what things bouncing off each other mm-hmm. but um once i started to paint it, i actually thought it's not too hard. I said that. Now I'm, I get through a few now where I struggle. But um, well, yeah. you've been, you've made a bit of a um, you've kind of it's it's sparked a lot of interest from hotel it guests has, and collectors. Has, so yes. tell us a little bit about your first one and now where you are down the track with painting quite a series for Helsing well, House. Well, originally I was just painting for myself. Um, I approached a GM and said, "Look, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Do you want to?" me to show them here or do you want me to just show them in another gallery like can I have permission more or less Um, which he was very very keen and happy to see what I was doing so I started in mind to paint six paintings originally and then maybe go on from that and show them up at Helsing House if if it all works out that way Um, but then now I almost got addicted to it now I'm painting not only just the interiors and the buildings I'm also painting the floral arrangements (laughs) chairs like anything we are sitting in your studio right now in Cabarita in northern New South Wales and I am surrounded by I've just left Helsing House because I had a little meeting there as I do Um, very blessed and I've come here and I feel like I'm back in Helsing House but in more of a a kind of studio version yeah in a 3D (laughs) version looking through windows windows out into Helsing Correct, yes. And and it's such a unique idea. It's a really good idea. It was all at your beck and call out of the kitchen window. It was. But now it's kind of conceptualised itself into something else. So where are we heading with this collection? Obviously, we've got people buying them, hotel guests and collectors. But where else are we heading with this collection? Um, I'm just going to paint until I can't paint it anymore, to be honest with you. I don't want to be known as that hotel painter but at the same time if that's where it led I wouldn't be upset either I don't want to just paint Helsing House but there's other ones that I could paint exactly like this if you were going to be an artist in residence we could send you all around the world that's well, <laughs> that could be the master plan but who knows with artists we chop and change we're like chefs yeah. you know like I was saying before I started off with Asian food yeah I moved into Western food I went back to Asian food you just chop and change so at the moment I'm enjoying it I've been doing it for this series sorry for about six to eight months now mm. Um, and I've still got that fire in my belly, so 
we'll see where it well, goes. Well, we've got some sort of famed journalists who remain nameless that have bought your pieces. <laughs> yeah, I have um, two, two paintings that they commissioned me to do for... Oh, commissioned, there you go. So what you can do there, because I've just done this myself with you, is like, okay, so I really like the lounge area. Like, you know, there's so many different layers to Helsinki and the pool area, the, the function areas, the entrance. It's all beautiful and aesthetic. So you could actually nail down into certain areas specific for clients' needs. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I've even painted interiors of rooms and the next one I'm going to tackle after this is going to be the awesome spa because that, for me, the shapes, like you were just saying before, with textures, it's just pretty incredible. So You don't put people incredible. in them. You don't go in I, and, and I, you know. I thought about this. So I'm glad you asked that because yeah. I did think about this and I was going to add even just staff to start with, just movement of staff, but I think it's going to take away from that original moment that hit I me agree. off the, yeah. the 28 days later. days later sort of end of days experience I had where there was no one around I definitely don't want to now start to add people in a movement and stuff because I kind of like that crisp clean empty feeling of the place because like you said it's so busy there's so much going on in there so I think it's just going to take away from the painting if there's people people totally. I agree so so tell us about um 2020 in Sydney what's going on there 2020 I have been asked which is great to be part of a Studio Direct Michael Reed, where they're, they're supporting and, um, how would I put it, they're really starting to try to promote emerging artists. Um, so that's happening in February 2020, and it's run by an awesome curator, Emma Cresswell-Bell. So she's teaming up with another awesome artist. They're doing dual shows. It was originally going to be solos, but I think there's just so many of us, so many cool emerging artists coming out of the woodworks that they've, they've teamed us up. So that's happening February And is that inspired by this, the Helsin collection? Well, it wasn't originally. I um, I was going to paint just like I normally do with a few figury pieces, a couple of landscape pieces, probably a few Helsin. But the way I'm going with the Helsin series, I kind of don't want to paint anything else at the moment. I, I'd say that when there's on my easel right now uh, image of another interior, but I suppose it's kind of hand in hand with, with the Helsin because it's an interior of my, uh, my early childhood house. But um, yeah, I'm just going to keep going the way I am with the Helsing series and I think maybe that show might, I don't know, it's up in the air, so the curator's going to choose what she wants to choose, but I'll just keep painting the Helsing. Well, the good that. thing about Helsing too is, I mean, it is a renowned, well-known hotel globally. It's an icon. It's an icon. In this area. Yeah, yeah, correct. And you know, for you, it's launching you into cities like Sydney in the sense of they 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 will come and stay at Helsinki. They know Helsinki, and they want a piece of Helsinki when they go back to the the busyness that is Sydney. So you provide that by giving them a painting to put on their wall. Yeah, a bit of escapism, a bit of memory, a bit of holiday memory. See, so we get, you and I get it daily, and we take it for granted. Well, I, I used to, and I mean, the first year because I've been there for four years now, and the first year I did, but I don't anymore. Now oh, I really do realize. Yeah what I have. I feel the same. <laughs> I actually feel the same. So I always end podcasts with uh, who or what or both inspires you. Well, I think my daily life is an inspiration in itself. I've, I've mentioned before two young kids that are at that age where we, both me and my wife, have given up our careers, in a sense, to cut down our hours. Doesn't sound like it. (laughs) No, I think I'm doing more than when I was a full-time chef. I really do. Be careful of that. I still get time with my children. So that's my inspiration is is my life and and the area. Like I have, you don't realise, and I've lived in a few different countries and 
this area is just it's amazing it's mm. magic like I can see why everyone wants to live here like well I grew up here so I got the, the magic time but you've quiet, come back home as well I you have, know like it's, and it's changed but I think almost for the better in a sense yeah. it's just a little bit more accessible and yeah, yeah I, I, the beauty of this area really does give you inspiration I mean mate they call it God's country even if you're not <laughs> religious um, it is definitely, it definitely is. you know there's something spiritual about this land and um, you and I get to enjoy it daily as you said and bring up our families here so thank you so much for taking out your time today because I know you've got like a lot going on in this studio right now and then you'll be back on the tools tomorrow in the kitchen more than welcome no I've actually got the next few days in the studio so I'm lucky I'm not back to healthy until Saturday I actually did hear that I was like oh he's taking time off look yeah, out that means I, he's painting yeah I'm painting but I'm not if I'm not up at Helsing, I'm in the studio. Or surfing, or with my kids. That's my balance. Bloody legend right there. Okay, adios, my friend. Thank you very much.